Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Today's show I am doing from my hotel room in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm in Baltimore to speak at the partner meeting for a really cool company. It's a professional services firm, but they have offices all over the world, and all of the people who run each of their markets twice a year get together to talk about how the firm is growing, what's happening, but also to learn and invest a little bit of time to be able to expand what they're doing. And they've asked me to come in and speak about networking, your personal brand, but also how does that really relate to sales? And I actually got on the plane and flew to Baltimore and realized that I had not uploaded an episode. And I toyed with the fact of, should I just let it go? I mean, will anybody care if I skip a day of cool things entrepreneurs do? I don't know, because I've never skipped a Tuesday or a Thursday since I released the show. And I don't think anybody would care. I mean, I get about one to 2,000 downloads per episode. For those of you who listen regularly, I, I don't think you would cry. I, I don't think you would call up and go, Tom, Tom, my, my Thursday is ruined because you didn't post a show. But one of the things I committed to when I started this podcast was I was going to be committed to doing this podcast and I wasn't going to suffer from, you know, pod burnout. I was going to do the show for a year and do it twice a week and I was going to get over a hundred shows. Not only because I think that if you start saying, well, it's not that important, I don't have to do it, it becomes a sometimes regular irregular podcast as far as the scheduling goes. But I also think that I, I went into this knowing that if I interviewed, you know, a hundred really cool entrepreneurs from different types of businesses, that I was going to end up being smarter and having learned a lot and being exposed to many different points of view. So I decided that I need to be committed to do this. So I woke up and it's Thursday morning and I have to go give my speech in a couple of hours. And I realized that my mind was on fire with different things that I could talk about, just me on the microphone. I don't have to interview somebody to be able to have a great show. And hopefully when I do these shows where it's just me chatting with you, people feel that uh, they get to know me a little bit better. And so I thought, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to sit here overlooking the Inner Harbor in Baltimore, and it's beautiful. I have a fantastic view of some boats, and there's birds flying, and, and there's little clouds up in the sky. I'm going to take this great scene and just sit here in the chair, look out at the beautiful world, and have a quick conversation. Now, today's show is going to be a little bit shorter than most shows. I don't think I'm going to go a whole half hour here on this solo podcast, but that's okay. I think for those of you who are like, oh, it's Thursday, it's time to listen to cool things entrepreneurs do, if there is anyone who wakes up and says that, I, I think you would rather have you know 15 minutes of me chatting on a topic than maybe a half hour since I'm not interviewing anybody. But do me a favor. If you are listening to this show, if you stumbled upon it, uh, listen, let me know what you think, and send me a tweet at Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R, or at Cool Podcast, and uh, communicate with me about, hey, I like that show. One thing I have heard from a couple of people is the two shows I've done that are just me chatting, 
they like them and they like to see me do more of them, which is what inspired me this morning not to like have to run to Starbucks and just tap someone on the shoulder with a microphone and go, would you be on my podcast? Is people have said they like it when I, when I do these shows where I'm just talking and, and get to share a little bit more about me. So I was inspired for a topic today about being a master of ceremonies. And I got inspired for this because of a blog post I ran across yesterday by a guy named Scott Singpel, S-I-N-G-P-I-E-L. I'm really not sure how to pronounce it. His blog is They Call Me Scott. And he had been at an awards show at a conference. And apparently, he woke up the next morning and felt bad for how critical he had been of the Masters of Ceremonies of the show while he was on it. Apparently, he was tweeting about the show and was critical of, of sort of how they had done stuff. So he went and wrote a blog post called How to Be a Great Awards MC." And he had gone online and, and Googled the topic and discovered that there's not a lot out there about being a master of ceremonies. In fact, if you go and, and Google how to be a master of ceremonies or tips for a master of ceremonies or MC, my blog post that I wrote a couple of years ago is one of the ones that kind of trickles up to the top. And, you know, who am I? Why am I coming up in the top of that? Well, it's because there's not a lot of stuff that's out there on the internet. I have gotten something like 25,000 hits to that one blog post over the years because people find it from search all the time. And so Scott used me and, and a couple other things he found for inspiration for his article. And his article was fantastic in giving some tips about, you know, what do you do if you're going to be the person who who has to be that that person on stage who keeps the whole flow going? It's so important. And a lot of it comes back probably to how do you do a podcast interview show? I mean, there's a lot of things that are similar about, you know, the, the two things because you don't want to wing it. You want to have a little bit of a structure for what you're doing. And, and being a master of ceremonies, it's different than being a speaker. Now, my business, my, my professional speaking business has morphed over the last couple of years to where a huge percentage of the, of the stuff I do is serving as the master of ceremonies. So years ago, I created this program called the Conference Catalyst. And what I do in that role is it started off, I was the opening, I was the opening keynote speaker at like a multi-day event, two, three, four day event. And I would do a 60 or a 90 minute keynote about why people matter in your life, why we're going to succeed more if we have a really good network of, of people who we've built long-term and mutually beneficial relationships with. And then I spin it around on the audience and we talk about how can we make this conference a living laboratory? How can we work together the next two or three days to ensure that everybody in the audience has the best experience that they can, that they maximize their investment in being in the conference. And what would happen is it would transform the way people would behave at an event. And it was great. And I had fun and audiences loved it. And the organizers really liked it. And what would happen is people would say, Tom, you really had an impact. We would like to have you back next year. However, they didn't feel comfortable having the same keynote speaker two years in a row. And of course, that makes sense. And so the first thing I did for the first few years is, is I created an entirely different speech with different stories and that same sort of input uh, of, of impacting the audience to get more engaged with each other and maximize that event. But one time somebody wasn't happy with having the same speaker, even with a different speech. And they said, could you be our master of ceremonies? 
And as a small business person, as an entrepreneur, I love to say yes. When someone asks me, can you do something, unless it's way out of my comfort zone, my first answer, I really try to say yes. I love to play with clients. When clients say, Tom, I know you haven't done this before, but we think you would be great trying it this way. Instead of saying, no, that's not the way I do things. I love to say yes. And so one client asked me, could you serve as our master of ceremonies? And I said, yes. And then I had to go out and learn what was different between being a speaker and being a master of ceremonies? And I try very much, especially when people are paying me, not to just wing it. And so I, I learned what I needed to do in order to do that because actually being a master of ceremonies is more difficult, in my opinion, than being the keynote speaker. Being a master of ceremonies really involves for you to think through more about the audience. When, when you're the master of ceremonies, you are not the star of the show. Uh, think about the Academy Awards. Now, when we think of Academy Awards broadcasts over the years, the ones that stand out stand out because of who was the host. And the ones where we go, oh my God, that was a train wreck, often has to do with the host. I think many people would agree that people think Billy Crystal is the best person in recent years to host the Academy Awards. He's hosted it, I don't know how many times, several times, but when Billy Crystal is the host, we have a great experience. And yes, he puts on a show and he does a wonderful opening and he does all this stuff, but he has a way of doing it where he doesn't steal the show. He supports and enhances the show. And I think we can say that there are a couple of hosts who've done the Academy Awards or other broadcast award show where we go, ugh. And a lot of cases, they make it all about them. So I learned a lot about how to do this, and I started being a master of ceremonies. And what's happened over the last couple of years is the Conference Catalyst has morphed into a master of ceremonies program. Now, I can still do it as a keynote speaker. I can still come in and kick off a conference, and I do that quite a bit. But more often, when I talk to meeting planners, especially ones who are sort of out-of-the-box thinkers, when I, when I talk to people who want to try something different, they like the idea of a master of ceremonies who brings content. Because what I've done is I've taken that 60 to 90 minute keynote and I've carved it up into three, four, five minute vignettes. And so as the master of ceremonies, I share the content about how to maximize the conference, but I do it in a way where it's not a speech. It's really just sort of little tidbits that come up throughout the conference and get everybody kind of set on that culture of make sure we're connecting. So I've had a lot of fun learning about being an MC. I have so much fun when I get to work at these events for the whole four days and be the master of ceremonies. So that's what we're talking about today. So I wanted to share my 10 tips for what it really takes to be a great master of ceremonies. So if you have an event coming up where you've been asked to be the host of the show, or maybe uh, you work for an organization, an association, and you put on an annual conference, and you usually just ask your CEO or your chairman of the board to be your master of ceremonies. Maybe there's a couple of ideas here that will change the way you actually do this and make it more about the audience and make it more experiential so that everyone can succeed. So I'm going to go through these somewhat quickly. If you would like uh, to see the blog post that's out there, I, I wrote it in 2012. Just search for in Google 10 tips for being a master of ceremonies or send me a link, um, send me a tweet or an email at tom at tomsinger.com and ask me for the link and I will send it to you. So the first thing that you have to do if you want to be a great master of ceremonies is you have to prepare for an opening. 
you know, you can't just come out and just wing it. Like I said, you have to actually have put some thought into what do you want to do because the master of ceremonies sets the tone for the whole event. Think about the Olympic Games. Many of you probably have watched the Olympics on television every four years or every two years since the Winter Olympics are, are staggered. If you've watched the Olympics, you know that the Olympic Organizing Committee puts a lot of time and thought and money into the opening ceremonies. They don't just start with a bunch of people jumping horses or, or running races. You know, they don't start with events. They start with an opening ceremony. And they have choreographed this opening ceremony to the T. And you need to do the same thing as a master of ceremonies. You need to craft a pertinent story or some piece of information that draws the audience in and gets past the mundane but necessary tasks that the master of ceremonies has to do. I mean, sure, there are points where you have to say, by the way, the bathrooms are down the hall and the breakout meetings are going to be on the second floor. Wah, 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 wah. However, if you draw them in and make them interested and share the excitement for what's to come, people will pay more attention when you do more of that housekeeping stuff. So the Olympics invest a lot of time in that opening ceremonies. And we talk about it for years. We talk about China and London. And if you think about it, if you really you know, are paying attention, after the Olympic ceremonies, the whole world has tuned in. And as soon as that's over... Some people watch equestrian, some people watch archery, some people watch swimming and diving. People have different interests. That happens during a conference, too. After your opening ceremonies, everybody tunes in. But after it's over, people sort of get sidetracked and get to doing their own things. So make sure that your opening ceremonies is well thought out. The second tip, and this one is hard, is you have to remember that as the master of ceremonies, you are not the star of the show. Now, when you deliver a speech, when you're the keynote speecher, speaker, there is a little piece of that role that requires you to take center stage and to perform. Now, a lot of people say, oh, not when I give a speech, Tom. It's not my ego. It's never about me. I realize that. Yes, that's right. You don't want to be like, hey, everybody, I'm on stage. Look at me. However, when you're the MC, you have to remember that the spotlight is about those keynote speakers. It's about the people who are getting the awards. There are things you have to do to keep the program moving, to make the other people on stage look good and feel celebrated, and to make the audience feel that they're the star. Because the reality is, is a conference is all about the people. It is not about those people who are on stage. It's about the people who are in the audience. The third tip Remember that your personality sets the tone for the whole event. Now, if you don't feel that you have a personality that connects with people and can bring them along on this journey, do not accept the role of being the master of ceremonies. While you are not the star, you do have to set the pace. And if you're all buttoned up and serious and you want to uh, make sure that everybody is doing everything the way you want them to do and that you're in full control, you're going to bore the pants off of everybody. So if you're all over the map with your purpose and you have no focus and your personality is flat or, or it's undefined, that's exactly the experience that the audience is going to have. So you want to make sure that you put out the right vibe that gets people on board. My fourth tip, and this one is so important, tell this one to everyone you know who is going to be a master of ceremonies or even give a speech, and that is if you are not a professional comedian, do not tell jokes. 
A big mistake is made when people think they're supposed to open with a joke. There were a bunch of books on public speaking written 50, 60 years ago that said, put your audience at ease, you know, tell a joke. But nothing is worse at an event than seeing an amateur bomb a canned punchline. Now, don't get me wrong. Humor is really important, but you can't force it. It has to be tied into your own personality. You have to be true to yourself, and you have to avoid the one-liners. If you just get up there like, ba-dum-ba-ching, people are going to just think the whole thing is cheesy, and you're going to crater the event. And I, I talk to people all the time who go, oh, I have to, to be the master of ceremonies for a thing at work. Hey, Tom, do you have a good joke? No, I don't have a good joke because I am not a comedian. Now, I have good stories, but they're my stories. So open with something that's humorous and, and it's funny and, they, and it maybe makes them laugh, but make it something that's part of you. Tip number five is when you're going to hand the microphone over to somebody else, make sure that they know the time frame for those remarks. So oftentimes if you're at an award ceremony, they'll say, oh, and the winner of our Lifetime Achievement Award is Bobby. Bobby, here's your award. Why don't you say a few words? That can be the kiss of death for an award show, but it happens everywhere. It happens even with keynote speakers who decide that they're so important they need to run long and they just keep going. When someone runs longer than the, than the time frame that they're given, it can crater that event so fast. So people have to be brief, which means they need to be told in advance. You have three minutes. You have five minutes. Whatever it is, even if they have an hour, they have to know that that time frame is very important. And as the master of ceremonies, part of your role is to keep the thing running on time. So let them know that when we get to five minutes, I'm going to be walking on stage near you. Because if you do it and they're not prepared for it, then they think it's rude or it's weird or they'll look at you. It can be awkward. And if it's awkward for the two of you on stage, it's going to be awkward for the audience. So make sure that you stay close when you hand the microphone over to somebody who's going to make brief remarks. Obviously, if they're going to talk for an hour, you can go backstage. But if they're going to do three minutes, stand nearby. And at the end of three minutes, just casually walk towards them. But if you've told them in advance that you're going to do that, they'll know that they have to wrap it up. That's the reason the Academy Award starts to play music and they will cut people off and go to commercial because they know that if somebody just goes on and on and on, they're dead. So make sure that you've talked to the people in advance. And sometimes maybe if they're an award winner, you don't get to talk to them in advance because they don't know they're going to win the award. Announce it to the audience. By the way, we're going to let the, the winners say a few words and they all get three minutes. And then you can be humorous about it and say three minutes not 13 minutes. At four minutes, I'm going to be standing next to you. Ha, 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 ha. Everybody will laugh along, but the audience will appreciate it so much when you don't let people drag on. Tip number six is have transitions between each speaker or each award. Now, a great way to transition is to be able to give a little recap or compliment of what the person before or said before you took the microphone back and then set up the next presentation. But in order to do this, you have to be someone who can think on your feet, and that comes with experience. So the first time that you host an event, you might be a little stiff to be able to recap what someone said or say something funny that is not offensive. Be really careful if you're going to use humor because you don't want to say something recapping the last speaker that, that makes them look bad because if you make someone on stage who came out of the audience look bad, even unintentionally, the audience will turn on you. So think about it in between what can I say, how can I add stuff, and then know who you're going to be introducing next so you can have some sort of a transition to go from one to the other and then pass the microphone on. Tip number seven is be prepared. If somebody doesn't show up or a waiter drops a tray, be prepared for how you're going to handle the situation or any confusion that happens. 
Live events often have a way of things just going wrong, and you have to be prepared for anything that can happen. Now, does that mean you're going to be prepared for everything that can happen? Of course not. One time I was giving a speech and the power in the hotel went off. Now, we were in a room that had windows, so we didn't go into complete darkness. So I continued on with my speech. And then towards the end of my speech, of course, my PowerPoint was gone. I I did have to sort of just go off of, you know, muscle memory from the, you know, several hundred speeches I've given before. And and it actually became a different speech than I had planned on because without my PowerPoint, I didn't have my outline set out before me. But it worked out. But towards the end of the speech, the power came back on. And I looked at the audience and I smiled and said, you know, a great speaker illuminates the audience. And the whole room busted up. They thought that was really funny. And in the moment, I mean, it's not that funny, but in the moment it was. Afterwards, a person came up to me and said, Tom, do you prepare for every situation that can happen? And I was confused. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, that one liner about, hey, a great speaker illuminates their audience. They go, do you have that in the back of your mind for if the power ever goes out in the hotel, when it comes back, I will say. And I laughed and I said, God, no, you could never, you could never prepare You could never be prepared for every little thing that's going to happen. That's impossible. But you have to be prepared in general for how you're going to handle things and keep it going. I've had things get derailed. I had one time I was emceeing an award show and they surprised the award winner with 100 people from his audience came running in when he won the award and they wanted to do a big picture on the stage. And they said, oh, it's going to be fine. We're just going to do that. We'll get back to the awards in a minute. And it was, I could tell it was going to take him like seven or eight minutes to be able to, to pull off the picture. So I grabbed the microphone. I jumped down into the audience. And while they were organizing this picture with 100 people, I just started talking to the audience about something that was pertinent to their topic. I happened to, it was a bunch of IT people, and I speak a lot to IT people about their network and their brand and their career. So I just walked in. I did a little vignette for the audience of something that was valuable to them. And the audience all turned and watched me so they didn't have to watch this big jumbling of people on the stage to do the picture. And as I saw the picture was done, I jumped back up on the stage and I went straight back into the award show. Now, I couldn't be prepared for the fact that somebody was going to bring 100 people in. They, they didn't tell me. I couldn't be prepared for that. But I was prepared that no matter what, my job is to keep the meeting going and to keep the audience from going, please kill me now. So be prepared. Tip number eight is shorten the script. If you're going to emcee an event, make sure that you've overlooked the script that the event organizer has given you. And oftentimes, the script they make is horrible. If it's horrible and it drones on and the introductions of people are three, four paragraphs, it is your job as the emcee to make sure that this event is not boring. Now, sometimes event managers won't like it that you're going to shorten the script, but you have to because if the program flops because they have a lot of wah, 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 and the event gets poor reviews, they're going to blame you. However, if you shorten it and you keep it upbeat and your personality takes over and you introduce somebody with two sentences instead of two paragraphs and it goes well, no one's ever going to say anything. You must be involved in creating a tight script. So please try to talk to the event organizer in advance. But if you're handed a script when you walk in the door and it's awful, be prepared that you have to make changes on the fly on stage to keep the entire event going well. That is your job. And tip number nine is stay positive. Even if something goes wrong or something happens that's out of line or someone says something that's not appropriate, the MC must stay upbeat. If you get nasty, the audience is going to resent you. If you say something nasty to an audience member, they're going to feel like you said it to them. You have to stay positive and you have to keep that flow going. And then tip number 10, going back as sort of a callback to tip number one, 
prepare a close. Just like the opening ceremony, you need to tie it all together with a closing story or a call to action. Recap the highlights of the evening and challenge the audience in some way, even if it's just come back next year for this event. The Olympics have that opening ceremony, but they also have a closing ceremony. And it's so important that if you're going to be the master of ceremonies, you know and you are prepared for how you're going to wrap up the event and launch the audience off into the evening or to their next event if it's at an ongoing conference. It's so important that you put most of your time into your opening and your close because that's what's people, that is what people are going to remember and it's how you set the tone and create a great experience for that audience because that's what you have to do as a master of ceremonies is you have to remember that a live event, a live event is an experience and it's an experience individual for each person who is sitting in the audience. So think about those 10 tips and never, ever, ever ask someone in your organization to be the master of ceremonies who isn't experienced enough or prepared enough to do it. A lot of groups say, well, we don't want to hire a professional MC because that might cost us some money. One meeting professional who I know will tell all of her clients, look, if you invest in hiring a professional MC, you're going to have a better event because the odds are your director of sales, while he has a great personality, isn't actually going to be able to carry a whole evening for two or three hours or a whole conference for two or three days. So I hope that uh, this little chat was somewhat interesting. If you plan events or you go to events or you're ever going to be the master of ceremonies at an event, I hope that this, uh, this podcast episode was somewhat useful for you. It made me laugh because I started off by telling you, yeah, we're not going to go the whole half hour. It's just me talking, guys. We're not going to do that. It's funny because I listen to several other podcasts, and when the podcaster does a show like this, they often think, oh, this is going to be short because it's just me. And oftentimes, they run long, and guess what? I'm just like they are. We didn't run long, but we are easily, you know, approaching that 30-minute mark. So for those of you who joined us today, thank you very much. I I can't say it enough, and I, I think I say it at the end of every show, and that is... I really appreciate those of you who listen. I appreciate those of you who listen and those of you who tell your friends about the show. I I have a couple people who told me they listen and I say, how do you know? And someone else has said, well, my friend said you should listen to this, that that you do a good job. I like to think that I bring you really interesting guests. A, A friend of mine said the other day that she likes the fact that, you know, I don't just chase the famous people, but I bring everyday people who are out there being entrepreneurs and making their business work uh, and that they're all interesting. And so I hope so. I hope I'm bringing you interesting guests. I am learning so much in talking to these people, and I'm learning a lot from people who, who reach out to me. So do me a favor. Run over to the Facebook page at Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do and like the page and, and maybe leave a comment. I'd love to start more conversation there. We have lots of, of people who've liked the page, but not as much conversation as I'd like. And yet, if you've gone so far as to listen to the show and, and like the Facebook page, you obviously care about the topic of entrepreneurship, post a question. I'm sure that uh, I will run over and answer it, but I'm sure that some of the other people on the page will share their opinions as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at Cool Podcast or at Tom Singer. And uh, if you do like the show, do me a favor, run over to iTunes and leave a review. I don't get very many reviews anymore. I have about a hundred of them and they all came sort of early in the show. And I think there's a lot of people out there who listen who think, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. And then they never get around to it. So take just a moment. It probably takes you three minutes to go and leave a review. uh, And I will forever, forever appreciate you. So we'll be back in a couple of days with another episode. In the meantime, I want you to go out there 
and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.